in case you missed it, my book Anatomy of Abundance hit the market and it is officially an Amazon bestseller. We couldn't have done it without your help. Thank you for being here and supporting me. If you haven't picked up your copy, pick it up today. Learn how to transcend the limits of scarcity and rewrite your life's narrative, transforming it into a story of boundless prosperity and fulfillment with Anatomy of Abundance. Join renowned author Petrina Wisdom and 16 Brilliant Minds on a Transformative Journey. Discover awe-inspiring narratives and empowering strategies to attain abundance in relationships, career, health, and wealth. Every purchase breathes life into a remarkable cause, donating book proceeds to the Shine Organization. Shine Organization empowers sex trafficking survivors to break free from scarcity, fear, and past traumas, and boldly create their own unique path to abundance through entrepreneurship. Buy your copy today. You're listening to Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast where we spotlight women who've gone from managing to mastering life's challenges and the badass practitioners that are changing the way we heal. I'm Dr. Sabrina Nicole, psychologist, coach, author, and speaker. But more importantly, I'm a woman who had my own journey to mastering chronic pain. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Fuck that. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited you're joining me today. Today's episode is all about personal growth, entrepreneurship, mindset, habits, and imposter syndrome. And my guest today is Kevin Palmieri. Kevin is the founder and co-host of the Next Level University podcast. Early in his life, Kevin found success, but after a brush with near suicide, he realized he wasn't living a life he truly wanted. He became passionate about self-improvement and decided to make it his purpose in life to impact as many people as possible by becoming a role model podcaster and speaker. He has succeeded to make his podcast one of the top 100 with over 1,350 episodes and listened in over 125 countries. Wow. He's taken his life to the next level and achieved both personal and professional success. Kevin, welcome to the show. Wow, Kevin. Sabrina, thank you so very much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack here. First, I I need some of the the backstory. Uh, It all starts at childhood Mm -hmm. like it does for most people. So the, the the shortest version, the most concise version is I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. So obviously that played a role in the young man that I was and the man that I've become today. We grew up lower middle class, not a ton of money. So that has definitely played a a role in my story as well. But the biggest thing that happened was when I was in high school, I knew I didn't want to go to college. I was very uncertain of what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew college wasn't, it just didn't make sense for me. I didn't think I was going to find clarity and I didn't believe I should pay thousands of dollars to try to. So I started working at a local gas station, pumping gas, and then I left there and I worked at a hospital cleaning floors and bathrooms and I was a forklift operator and a truck driver and a personal trainer and all these other things. And eventually I got a job in an industry called weatherization. And it was our job to go into large buildings, usually schools, and make those buildings more energy efficient. So I quite literally went from making $15 an hour doing construction to $60 an hour on my first job I worked with this company. So 
in my mind, Sabrina, I found my thing. I'm going to do this forever. This is great. So if you fast forward a few years, when I was 25, at that point, I had this high paying job. I had just competed in and won a bodybuilding show. So I was in the best shape of my life. My girlfriend was a model. I had a sports car. I had a new apartment. I had all the things, quite literally all the things, health, wealth, and love. I had them all, but I was miserable. I was just, I was unfulfilled. I was lacking purpose. I was, I was lacking direction. I was lacking passion. So my girlfriend ended up leaving me because I was a shell of myself. I just, I I didn't have a, a luster for life. That's probably the best way to put it. And when she left, that was an initial rock bottom for me. I just lost somebody I loved. Is anybody ever going to love me? What's wrong with me? I ended up grinding my face off the next year to make as much money as possible. And I did. And when I got to the end of that year, this is where it all shifted for me. I had my final pay stub in my hand so I could look and see how much money I made. And I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. My expectation was everything was going to change internally. I'm going to feel way more confident. I'm not going to have any imposter syndrome, limiting beliefs. No, no, no. Those are all going to go away. No, they didn't go away. They got worse somehow. And I didn't expect that. That's not what I was playing for. So I ended up saying for most of my life, and I said this to myself, for most of my life, especially the past year, I've been living unconsciously. I'm just going through the motions. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast. I fell in love with it. I was in love with podcasting, but I still have to do this job because as everyone knows, if you're watching or listening and you're a podcaster, in the beginning, it's nothing short of brutal. There's not people lining up to give you money. It's a side hustle. It's a side gig. So I had to keep going to this job that I absolutely loathed. And this all led to me sitting on the edge of a bed contemplating suicide because I just was so miserable I felt so stuck. I felt so trapped. And then I ended up leaving that job in 2018. And I went all in on podcasting. And I was very broke and very lonely and very single and very anxious for many years. But here we are almost seven years later. And now I get to do this every day for a living. Wow. So what I love is that you realized that college wasn't it, which is amazing because I was raised, Mm -hmm. that's what you do. You have to go. Because that's how you yeah. elevate. And especially if you have middle-class parents, they're like, oh no, in order for you to keep this trajectory that we've started, you have to go to college. But I like how you just approach different yeah. careers with curiosity. I think that's probably what mm. more young people need to do instead of going to college. Like, you know, I went forever, you know. But it seems yeah. like the different careers you had was so different, which I love. <laughs> but then when you found the one. They created a lot of humility. There's, um, so my, my grandmother fell and broke her hip a couple of weeks ago and she was in the hospital and the hospital she was in is the hospital I used to work oh. in and going back there and remembering, I used to clean the bathrooms and I used to clean the floors and I used to clean the rooms when patients either passed away or got transferred. And I remember how I felt at that point in my life. I remember the insecurities I had. I remember the limiting beliefs. It's, it was just really weird for me to be back in the hospital with this new version of mindset, but the old environment. It was, it was very humbling and very grounding. So a lot of the jobs I had taught me a high level of humility. And I think 
That's important to have. Yeah, I, I think that is. I think that's what's missing. And also the, you know, no one talks about going inward. You know, everyone talks about doing, having. No one talks about being still or just being present or kind of redefining what success is for yourself. Yeah. So once you started the podcast, what kept it going? Because this is this is not easy <laughs> doing the podcasting. What what kept <laughs> you going? Honestly, the the purpose behind it, when I first started podcasting, I never, I mean, I started in 2017. It wasn't the way it is today. I didn't expect to make any money. I never thought this could be a full-time thing. So what kept me going was the fact that one, I absolutely loved it. It's it's my favorite thing in the world. You don't get to as many episodes as we've done if you don't mm-hmm. love it, right? So that's part one. But part two is it never was about me. It is about impact. I don't do an episode every day because I want to necessarily. I We do an episode every day because if I truly want to impact someone at the deepest level, I should be there every single day. If there's eight days in the week in a couple of years, we're going to do eight episodes. That's just the way we are. And, and we're very focused on impact. So yeah, it's really that. I never felt like I had purpose. I never felt like I had direction. I never felt like I was fulfilled. And podcasting does all those things for me. If you want to talk about feeling significant, when you get to jump on a microphone and add value to thousands of people and eventually hundreds of thousands and eventually millions of people, I don't know if there's any better feeling in the world. And it just brings a sense of pride that I never had before. So those are a couple of the big points. The other thing is I have an an insane amount of accountability because I have a business partner. So anytime I don't want to show up, he's there waiting. And anytime he doesn't want to show up, I'm there waiting. It's just like having somebody at the gym waiting for you. You're more likely to go get that workout in, even though you don't want to, even though it's hard to do, even though there's resistance. If there's somebody waiting for you, you have some built-in accountability and some extra necessity. So those are really the big ones. And then the last thing, and this is just the like the real talk version, I traded everything for this. There is no there I never had a plan A. Never mind a plan B. My plan A didn't work and this this ended up becoming the plan B and there's nothing other than this. So this is it for me forever. Wow. So what kind of um things did you do to help shift your mindset? What kind of strategies did you use to help, you know, pivot you to this place? Yeah, in the very beginning, I read a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck and I did not understand how much of a fixed mindset I had to the point where I did not understand how malleable humans were in terms of learning and overcoming things and and shifting that. So one of the first things I did, I read Mindset by Carol Dweck, changed my life for sure. That's a simple one. And then probably five years ago, maybe six years ago, I started tracking habits. And all I would do is pick five things. And If you're out there, maybe three is a better place to start. I think I probably overdid it in the beginning. But one thing I would do is I would learn for 30 minutes every day. Whatever that meant, whether it's an audio book, a TED talk, life experience, reading a book, audible.com, whatever it is, I'd learn for 30 minutes a day. That was a non-negotiable. Another thing I had, Sabrina, was I had something called fear chasing. And every time I did something that scared me, I would put a little check mark on my flashcard. So In the very beginning, doing an interview, being a guest on a podcast would scare me out of my shoes. I'd be so scared. So I'd say, okay, that that deserves a check mark. Now it doesn't, I've just done, you know, 2,000 episodes or something like that. So for me, this is more my comfort zone. 
But as I grew, what was considered fear chasing changed. So then it would be, I did a coaching call today. Well, that was, that was really nerve wracking. Or I did a speech today. Ooh, that was really, really scary. So as I became more confident, I challenged myself a little bit more. And I think, and I know we're going to talk about imposter syndrome at some point. I think that's where imposter syndrome comes in. But yeah, it was really the, the simple fundamentals practice consistently. I learned a lot. I journaled. I meditated a lot in the beginning. I asked myself, why? Why do you feel confident today? Why do you not? Why did you get triggered around that person? Why were you feeling comfortable? Why did you feel like you could be vulnerable? A lot of it for me was self-awareness in the beginning because I think that's something that I lacked for most of my life, honestly. Yes. I think so many of us do and we don't even realize it because that's how we get to those high paying jobs and we yeah. re- then we realize we're not happy is <laughs> because we haven't been yeah. uh, self-aware. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about imposter syndrome. What role did that play? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even what role did that play. It's, it's what role does it play? I still, I still deal with it. I'm, I'm the CFO of a very soon to be million dollar company and I didn't go to school. I don't have a math degree. I don't have a finance degree. I was not good with numbers. So even that is some days I'll go on financial podcasts and I have that moment before where it's like, I should just throw my laptop out the window and say something went wrong here and I'll just cancel this podcast. It's not gonna be that big of a deal. So I I still have it. I still deal with it. And And here's the thing though. I think a lot of us assume imposter syndrome is bad. It's been labeled as bad. I think it's good because imposter syndrome means you are expanding your capabilities and you're uncertain of your level of confidence in your new capability. My understanding that I have with myself is if I don't have imposter syndrome, I'm probably one of two things. Either my ego is assuming I'm way better than I am or I'm not growing at the level I once was. So for me now, it's almost like I think imposter syndrome is is a good thing. If there wasn't emotions involved and if it was just pure logic, I think we would understand that it's growth. If we weren't emotional about it and said, oh, I feel, I feel like everybody knows I'm faking it versus, yeah, I'm just not capable of doing what I want yet. Those are two drastically different experiences. I went to the gym today and I pushed myself and I got to the point where I couldn't lift the weight doesn't mean I'm an imposter when it comes to fitness. It just means I push myself beyond my current capabilities. And fortunately, that's where growth is anyway. So I think imposter syndrome has gotten a bad negative rap. And I would venture to guess over the next few years, if you're dealing with imposter syndrome right now, you'll rebuild your relationship and understand it's a pretty positive thing, all things considered. Wow. I love that. I love how you just redefined it. I mean, it's become so cliche. You hear about it all the time, imposter syndrome. And like you said, we assume it's negative, but viewing it as growth, that puts in possibilities, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. And then fear is another thing. A lot of us have, when we think of fear, we think negative. Yeah. Fear is, it's a lot, it's heavy, it's resistance, it's pressure, it's intimidation, but fear isn't a bad thing. It's a challenge. If you can do something today that scares you a little bit more than it than you did yesterday, in a couple of years, a lot can change. You in the in the pre-chat, you were talking about consistency. And I think a lot of us understand that you should do things often to get results, right? I think we all understand that logically. But 
it gets to the point where a lot of us forget what we did to get the, to the dance in the first place. And one of my favorite quotes is when you stop doing what got you to the dance, you don't get to dance anymore. And I think a lot of us that happens with confidence and fear and imposter syndrome, where eventually we get to a certain point where we say, well, I shouldn't be afraid anymore. Well, if you don't want to be afraid, you're most, ni- you're most likely not going to chase that next thing, right? So I remember I gave my first speech ever. I was comfortable as a podcaster. I was, I don't know if sweating through my clothes is even an accurate description. It, it was terrible. I was so nervous. Now when I speak, I'm less nervous. It's not because I'm special. It's just because I've done it enough times where it's not as scary. So dealing with imposter syndrome, facing fears, I know it probably sounds super simple and maybe overly simplistic, but it is one of the things holding many of us back, unfortunately, from our, our dream lives. Because we're not using it as fuel, basically. We should be using the fear as fuel. 100%. I love that. So talk about your journey to entrepreneurship. Have you had, you have mentors? Do you have a community? How have you gotten to this place? (laughs) Yeah, my business partner has been instrumental in that for me. My business partner went to one of the best technical schools in the world, has a master's degree. He is a visionary leader. So I've learned a lot of, I've learned a lot of entrepreneurship from him, but I've learned a lot about entrepreneurship just from doing and making, I don't know, millions of mistakes at this point, just screwing something up every day, but failing forward. It started with books and it started with looking at what other people were doing. And then we were very blessed. We've had a lot of amazing mentors. We were mentored by David Meltzer for a time. We're good friends with Evan Carmichael, who's a a big guy on YouTube and he's a very successful entrepreneur. So we've been very blessed to be able to attract great mentors and be able to learn from them behind the scenes. But really, the biggest thing for me has just been experience. I don't. I didn't have an entrepreneurship background. I never sold lemonade at a lemonade stand. I never delivered the paper. I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want to be a business owner. I never planned on that. I don't know if there's anything better than experience, really, because you're going to make mistakes. The biggest difference between someone who is quote unquote successful and someone who doesn't achieve something is the person who is successful continues after the mistake and they learn from that mistake. A lot of us, we make a mistake and we assume, no, I could never do that. And again, if I said that five podcast episodes in, I would have said, I used to be a podcaster, but I couldn't figure it out, right? Anybody can it can make progress if you're willing to, to make the mistake and then take the lesson from it. So yeah, it's it's been my business partner. He's been instrumental. I talked to him every day. I've talked to him every day for the last however many years. So I have a world-class coach that I get coaching from for free, which I'm very grateful for. And then a lot of it is just, let me go try something. Oh my goodness, that went horribly wrong. Let me seek counsel. How do I avoid that mistake again? And I just want to add this. In the beginning, that wasn't my thought process. In the beginning, mistakes were death to me. And if I messed up, it was terrible and everything was going to crash and burn. So going back to the imposter syndrome, going back to fear chasing, if you're taking shots, try to take a shot that you're actually okay with failing. You don't have to say, today I'm going to climb to the top of the mountain. You can say, today I'm going to try to take a step up to the next peak, the next base camp. And that way, if you do make a mistake, it's not the end of the world and it doesn't attach to your self-worth. 
that's where a lot of us get stuck. We make a mistake. It attaches to our self-worth. We devalue ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. When in reality, you're actually getting smarter. If you're making mistakes, you're actually making progress as long as you use them constructively. Long answer long. No, together. I'll take long it. Answer I'll take long. it. So, so talk a little <laughs> bit about Next Level Universe. What's the scope? What, what are all the services you provide? So Next Level Universe is our website. And on, in the website, we have all of our stuff. So Next Level University is the podcast. But we have one-on-one coaching, we have group coaching, we have live events, we have retreats, we have an app, we have next level social media, which we do social media for our clients, next level podcast solutions. We produce right now 50 other podcasts. We have, what else do we have? There's so many things. We have, we have so many things and everything we do is based on helping someone. We don't do ads. We don't do sponsorships. I'm not interested in, in running ads on our podcast. If it doesn't help someone, we're not really interested in doing it. So every dollar we've made as a business has come from helping someone in a unique way. Every Whether it's coaching, services, whatever it may be. Yeah, we do a lot, but you never really know because at the top of the business, we look like a podcast. But if you are someone who's into self-improvement, there's somewhere for you. And no matter what your financial situation is, there's a place for you too. We have a lot of free stuff. We probably have more free free stuff than we do paid stuff. You heard that, right? This free stuff, y'all. So go and check out the website. Always. See what they have to offer. <laughs> you mentioned that this 1% improvement mm. for compounding success. How does that work? Yeah, I think as humans... We tend to look at where someone is and assume they've been there forever. And we tend to look at where we are today and assume that's where we're going to be forever. But if somebody is 30 years ahead of you and you can just get a little bit better every day, just a little bit better every day, 30 years is a long, long, long time. So anytime we're talking about 1% improvements, it's, it's literally that. A 1% improvement for you is reading 10 pages of a book. If you read 10 pages of a book every single day for the next five years, you're improving and you don't really feel it in the moment. From day to day, progress is invisible. I went to the gym this morning and I went to the gym yesterday. And somehow, even though I'm dieting, I actually gained weight overnight. So you want to talk about progress being invisible, there you go. But from year to year, progress is impossible to miss. If I keep doing what I'm doing and I keep dieting and tracking my food and weighing myself, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, a year from today, I'm going to look really, really good. But the day-to-day, nothing happens. That is the power of 1% improvement over time. I always use the split analogy, Sabrina. You could come to me right now and say, I have a million dollars with your name on it. I just need you to do a split for me right now. I can't do that. I'm going to tear all sorts of stuff. I don't know if it's worth a million (laughs) dollars to do that. But let's make an agreement. If I can do it by this time next year, you give me 500,000 instead of the million. What is the best way for me to accomplish that goal? I should probably practice the splits every single day. 1%, 1%, 1%. If I say, "You know what? Eh, I'll practice once a week." It's not that big of a not that big of a deal. I'll practice once a week. I'm only getting 52 opportunities to practice versus 365. The odds of me being able to do the splits only doing it once a week are just drastically lower than the other the other side of things. So yeah, that's, I think that's a really good demonstration of 1% improvements over time. You can't do the splits today. 
you're not going to be able to do them tomorrow, most likely, but you most likely could in a year if you are physically able to. Thank you for that. I think I needed that message more so than than the listeners, (laughs) just a little bit, 1%, 1%. Because I think sometimes we look, oh, I I didn't finish the book. Well, if you break it down into the 1%, then it's much more manageable. It's much more realistic as opposed to saying, oh, I'm going to block out six hours to read a book, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even if you're writing a book, if you write, I don't know, write a page a day. If it's a 300 page book, it'd be done in a year. I know it seems like a long time, but you're more likely. The other thing too, is you get the small wins. It's like, okay, I went to the gym today for 15 minutes and I did cardio for 15 minutes. Awesome. I can do 15 tomorrow. And then when you go, you might end up doing 16. I'm already here. I'm already on the the Stairmaster. I might as well do another minute. What's a minute? I already did 15. Okay. The next day it's 16 and then it ends up being 20. It's that. I, I think most of us have been lied to where we have been told that you must set massive world denting goals. And if your goals don't scare you, they're not big enough. I don't agree with that. I think a lot of us are overwhelmed with life. And the last thing we need to do is put more pressure on ourselves to accomplish something that's just not that realistic. I'm a huge fan of setting small goals, getting momentum, getting self-worth, getting self-trust, getting good vibes, good feelings, pride, and then resetting the goal. Set and reset versus setting this massive thing that just seems impossible. You, Your brain knows whether you believe it or not. Your brain knows. If you say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be a billionaire next year. Your brain knows. It's like, no, you don't believe that. There's no way you believe that. But what could you believe? Small goals, set and reset. I love that. Set and reset. So in reflecting overall on your journey so far, like what are your top lessons that you think would be valuable for others Mm. seeking transformation? One of the biggest lessons I've learned has been from the amazing people we've had the privilege of interviewing, and it is this. Your adversity can be your advantage if you know how to harness it correctly. When we started interviewing people, we'd hear these stories of, there was a gentleman we had on who was kicked around the foster system for a long time and ended up in a home where he was put in a cage and he had to catch chickens in order to eat. And he was also forced to lick the bottom of people's shoes until his tongue bled. Hearing that, you might think, my goodness, I really hope this man's okay. He's a, he's a very successful business owner, coach, speaker. He's very, very, very successful. Okay, well, maybe he got lucky. There's a list of people that we've interviewed that had the same things happen. Not the same things, but they had a lot of adversity and they were able to use their adversity as an advantage. That was very empowering to me because what you're going through right now could be your advantage later on. I can't guarantee it. I can't promise it. It depends on a lot of things. But that, that's been a very important lesson. Some of the hardest things I've ever experienced have allowed me to make life better for me today. Right? That, the the adversities, sitting on the edge of a bed contemplating suicide, grinding my face off and working, growing up without a dad, all of that stuff has been stuff I've been able to leverage in a positive manner. And it helps me empathize with people who are dealing with that or have dealt with that. That's been a big one. That's been a really, really big one. And then I would say, I would say that understanding the difference between self-belief and self-worth. 
Self-belief is I believe in my own unique ability to create an outcome. So I believe that I am capable of building this amazing castle on the ocean. It has a beautiful view. It's got a moat. The inside has the finest things, beautiful carpets, beautiful lamps, all that stuff. I believe, and for you, your castle is whatever your dream is. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you believe in that? 10 out of 10. Awesome. You have super high self-belief. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you believe that you're worthy of moving in after you build it? And I've seen so many instances, Sabrina, where somebody will say, I have 10 out of 10 belief. I have two out of 10 self-worth. Okay. This is a a deeper conversation about self-worth. So that is something I've had the opportunity to learn not only about myself, but many, many other people over this journey. And it's been very impactful to understand that belief is super important, but you can have very high self-belief, but also self-sabotage if you don't feel like you deserve the results that you're chasing. Wow. After. That's powerful. That's powerful. Thank, Thank you, you for that insight. So um, can you just share with the listeners how they can follow you, where to find you? If they want to learn more information. Yes, please. I appreciate it very much. I would say just search Next Level University. We'll come up. We're on all the podcast platforms. We're on YouTube. So you can see my mug on YouTube if you want to see us. And then the best place to to find me is probably on Instagram. So if you just go on Instagram and search at neverquitkid, that is my handle. I do all my own social media. So if you shoot me a DM, if you have questions about podcasting, about anything, book recommendations, whatever, I am happy to get back to you. And I'm always there if you if you need to shoot a message over. Thank you so much, Kevin, for your for sharing your story, your insights. For the listeners, please write us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for tuning into Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast. Be sure to check out the show's notes for this episode on www.drsabrinanicole.com and follow us on social media. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next week with more. See you then.